You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. All right, at this time, I'm going to ask Matt Fiducia if he would come and read our Romans text. Let me just say this. Uh, Yesterday was my birthday. I turned 41. I don't want to talk about it. It's perfectly fine. I'm old, man. I'm old. Thanks for texting me. Happy birthday, Ashley. Yeah, you meant to do it? Yeah, I know you did. I felt it, though. In the spirit, you told me happy birthday. Yes. What happened? Oh, yes. And presumably, Steve Saldana was about to come up here and say a few nice things about me, and I told him not to. Salem, we feel appreciated by you. We love you. You are part of a life that Jacqueline and I were called to since we were both very, very, very young, and it's a dream come true to be able to be here. So thank you, and I just want to get to saying some nice things about Jesus. Is that okay? All right, so would you please open your heart for the reading of the word this morning? A reading from the book of Romans, Romans 13, 8 through 14. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that The hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and in jealousy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul's lists are ruthless. He just was calling people out from prison and just sending letters, just calling people out. So because of lists like that, we can join the psalmist in Psalm 119 and say, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Teach me, give me, lead me, incline me, turn me, confirm me. These are the things that we should be asking the Lord for every day. We, uh, we have a budget, obviously, that we're on, and I don't know if you realize, but food is extremely expensive these days. Like, why? It's crazy town. Jacqueline goes to shop right now, I'm like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, just let... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the credit card statement before she gets home so I could get the, 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 frustra- the frustrations out now. So when she comes home, I'm just there to help her bring in this gold bullion that we apparently purchased at ShopRite. 
And so because of this, you know, the school district provides lunch for our kids, and that's now also super expensive. Taxes and everything like that. A whole different situation that I'm not going to preach about right now. So we tell Sophia, we're going to make you breakfast, and you're going to bring lunch, and on Fridays you can get breakfast and get lunch at school because it's pizza day, and she is a woman after my own heart. And so I'm not going to deprive my child of pizza on Fridays. I'm like, Sophia, bring daddy home some too. <laughs> so first day of school, we, we, get, we get like an alert from the school, like a text message when on the account gets a little bit low. And first day of school, I got the text message. So I picked Sophia up from school. How was your day? It was great. I had a great day. Everything. How was breakfast? Good. What? I tricked my daughter. And I said, you bought breakfast today. She goes, I did. And I said, but we gave you breakfast at home. And she goes, you did. I said, and it's Tuesday. It's not Friday. Why did you get breakfast? And she said, here's what happened. I was really thirsty, and the teachers wouldn't let me fill up my water bottle. So I went to the cafeteria to get milk, and I smelled the breakfast, and it was so good, I bought some. <laughs> no, it's, we, don't, we don't laugh at lies in the house of God. So being more clever than my child for now, I said, interesting, why did your teacher not let you fill up a water bottle, but she let you go to the cafeteria to get milk? And she goes, oh, fine. The teacher took us on a tour of the school, and when she took us on a tour of the cafeteria, I smelled the breakfast, and it was good, and I got some. I said, why did she let you stop to eat on a tour of the school? Did all the kids stop and eat on this tour? Was it a food tour of Glenham Elementary School? Was it like a Willy Wonka situation where you got to go through the school and she goes, I'll ne I, I can see it so perfectly. We're still, in, we're still in the car. I haven't pulled out of the school yet. And I, I'm looking at her and she goes, like she was so disgusted with me at this point. She goes, whatever, dad, I walked in, I smelled the food, I got it, it was good. That's what happened. And I was like, you legit just lied to me like two times, but it was so funny, it's fine. I don't even care. But it made me think about the text that Matt just read about how we need to wake, we need to wake from a sleep that has us on a particular autopilot. And there, there was a sleep that she was in. And it wasn't, it's not always a negative thing, but there's ways in which the things that we crave and the things that we desire cause us to fall asleep to the plan that God had set for us. There's a sleep of indifference. This is the sleep that the disciples fell into in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, can you pray for me? By the way, if you're a note taker, this is a, this is a good sermon for you. I'm going to do things neatly and in order. You're going to be able to take nice notes today. It's not going to be crazy town. And there's even going to be some stuff on the screen in a minute. The sleep of indifference. The, Jesus said, can you please, what Jesus said, I need you to pray for me. The one who we went to and said, Lord, teach us to pray was saying, can you pray for me now? And the disciples fell asleep. Because sometimes we could be so wrapped up in our own trials that we're indifferent to the sufferings of other people. And sometimes, and this is a warning shot, we could be so wrapped up and comforted by our blessings that we're indifferent to the pain and suffering around us. 
As a matter of fact, suffering often makes us empathetic to others who are suffering, but blessing closes us off to people who are suffering. Nothing can cause us to fall asleep and go into a coma more than answered prayer. Listen, when you need an answer to prayer, you're awake. When you get it and you can finally rest in the blessing of an answered prayer, off to sleep you go. And all of a sudden, the suffering. When you're in need, you're connected to the people around you who are suffering. You're texting, you're calling, group text messages. Who cares? In the name of Jesus, we're going to group text even though it's from the devil. We're still going to do it, all these things, right? And then when you, when your suffering goes away, you kind of pull out from that group. And you're like, I'm just going to, I'm so glad this trial is over. And you fall asleep. There's the sleep of independence. This is the sleep that Adam and Eve fell into in the Garden of Eden. We are not called. In the church, there should not be a declaration of independence, but a declaration of us being dependent upon each other all the time, every day, not just us, but everything around us from the created order, from the grass to the animals to people we don't know to the person sitting next to you. Our lives, because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, because God came and put on creation, we are inextricably bound to each other, and whatever happens to me ripples through your life. It ripples through the created order. Every decision I make has a consequence for people near and far. And the more we want to be dependent, the more we want to break the very fabric of the Trinity, the very image of God. I want information so that I can make my own decisions and live my life. There is so much praise for that going on, and I want to go so far as to say it's not even demonic, that is satanic. For us to receive information that we can live our best life and we can do things now and I could increase my value in the world. But if all of those things aren't making the people and the environment around me better, it's not from God. Because Jesus is the kind of human that every time he gets blessed, we get more blessed because he's blessed. He's porous. Everything that the Father poured into him just leaked out from him all over the world around him. Right? Genesis says when everything was in the ground ready to go, it said nothing was growing yet because a man had not come to till the ground. But as soon as Adam started to walk through the Garden of Eden, everything started to grow because everything is connected to what God is doing in our life. Then there's the sleep of indolence. That is a fancy way for me to say laziness. But indolence makes you feel like you didn't get slapped. So there's the sleep of indolence. And this is playfully the kind of sleep that Lazarus was in when he was in the tomb and Jesus said he's only sleeping. It's the kind of sleep we fall into when life just beat us all the way down to the ground and we have no more energy left to try and you don't even pretend you just say, I'm not trying today. Has anybody had that one freeing moment? It usually leads to disaster. But you had that one moment where you're like, I'm not going to care what I say today. I'm not going to care what I'm going to, I am just going to tell people exactly how I feel for the rest of the day, and I'm not going to put any effort into hitting the brakes on anything in my life. It's such a fun feeling when you first have it, and maybe the first two encounters are great, and it falls apart quick. Sophia didn't want to put the effort into telling herself no in that moment. She was indolent, but she was also prophetically showing me myself. 
kids. Oh my gosh. The fruit landed right on my foot. She, so this week, this week in the Dan Gerano household, we started off by having bees everywhere in our home. We didn't invite them. They were not invited. The police don't come for that kind of breaking and entering, apparently. Hello, I have bees that are in my house, and I asked them not to be here. Can you please come? And they're like, click. So we call an exterminator, and he's like, I'll come, and I'll take care of the bees. And he sprayed, and all the bees went from an exterior part of our house into our laundry room, hundreds of them. Hundreds of bees. Two minutes before I went to Ron Green's birthday party, a hundred bees filled my house. You know what I did? I went to the party. I'm like, I'm like, Jacqueline, ministry's calling. You got this? Like, just, I trust you. You're a woman. Women, well, we're equal now. You got this as much as I could. I'm going to go to the party. You're strong. Be strong in the name of Jesus. So pause on the bees. Then I, I, I walk into our downstairs bathroom, and I feel very blessed for having more than one bathroom in our house. And I walk in, and I could tell that water has now been coming through our ceiling. Okay. So, plumber, hey, I, I text all my friends, a m bunch of you from this, can you please recommend a plumber to me? And everybody sent me some things, and I went with one, and he came, I was like, here's what needs to happen, we need to fix this, this, and this. I'm like, cool. Few days later, and this is the worst one of all of them, I get home from a department leader meeting that we had here, and I'm thinking about bees and plumbing and deacons and elders and trustees and department meetings and this sermon that I'm in. It's Wednesday, so I'm thinking about all this stuff at once. And I back down my driveway, and I smash into Jacqueline's car. Do you want to know the worst part about that? I'm going to say it. The worst part about it is I cannot say to her anymore that she's the worst driver in the house. I used to say it all the time. And my thing was, you, you've, you've run into a few trees. How could you run into something that's not moving? And then God's like, hold my beer. <laughs> so now I can't make those jokes anymore. That's the worst thing that's ever happened in my life so far. So these three things happen, and with, with each thing that happened, oh, and then the insurance company, Stuart, I'm not going to bag on insurance companies, but you can't sue your own policy, so I had to file two claims with two deductibles for hitting my own stuff. You know, back in the day, back in the day, and this is what I realized, this is what Sophia helped me realize, this is when I realized I was asleep. Because back in the day, I spun anything that happened in my life to something God was trying to tell me. Bees could get into the house after we sprayed, and I'd be like, you know, Jacqueline, the Lord's telling us that when you spray the enemy, he tries to get in deeper, but don't worry, he knows he's dying. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? He tries to get closer, but he's dying. Just spray him one more time, and he's gone, right? Plumbing issues would happen, I'd probably be like, listen, when the Holy Spirit can't flow freely in our lives, it starts to damage the things around us. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? Backing down the driveway, usually it was Jacqueline, now it's me. You bang into something, and I'd be like, you know what? When you're going the right way, but you're facing the wrong direction, sometimes God's going to teach you that you need to turn around. That's how I used to be. And the funny thing is, there's some playfulness about that, but you know what else there is with that? There's romance. 
when things go wrong and your body immediately says, what could God be telling me through this? And it motivated you. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you might be complete, lacking nothing. We used to say that stuff. And now I just found that I was getting grumpier and grumpier and grumpier because the discipline is there, but the romance is waxing and waning. And I was thinking about, Sophia, you can't walk past a cafeteria without biting. And God's like, don't even get me started on you, man. Just don't even get me started on you. She did that to shine a light on the fact that where, where did your romance go? Why are you, like, you, you handled the issues well, right? Pretty well, for the most part. Give or take a moment here and a moment there. With a margin of error, as they say in statistics. But there used to be a, a bounce that would come into my step when those things happened. And this was helpful. This was one of the best weeks I've ever had because I got that bounce back back. I realized what was happening. I said, you know what? Everything going on, these, these are the stories I used to tell, like I just did, during sermons and bring joy and also a lesson. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done just getting grumpy. I'm done comparing myself to what should be happening. I'm going to assume from this moment on that whatever happens in my life, good or bad, God is in it and he's offering a gift no matter what it is that I'm facing. He's offering a gift. And that gift is not for me. It's for you. It's for you. Somebody's going to get blessed because I went through a tough time this week. Remember that? Remember the resistance? We would punch back a little bit. And I feel like now we're just, we're taking the hit. We're not filling up journals the way that we used to. Or I notes. We're not running out of ink. There used to be, I, I just, I redid uh, my office in there. And I had stacks of journals, like this high from like starting with 2002. Filled them up. God was just talking, or we were thinking he was talking and trying to hear what maybe he wasn't saying. But we were writing. We were standing on promises. We were getting excited. We were bringing it to other people and saying, here's what I think he told me. Can you pray about this? And let me know in a few days if you think this is what he's saying to me. We would do this stuff. We couldn't wait to get to church on Sunday and just let it out. If it was a good week, praise him. If it was a bad week, yet praise him. Yes? Where to go? We need to wake from sleep. So the title of my sermon today is, Dear God, Help Me, Amen. Tell me it's not the perfect prayer. <laughs> Dear God, help me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The late Karl Barth one of the greatest theologians of all time, he said this, there is no belief that does not need to be reminded of revelation, no action that does not, to, that does not need to be recalled to a necessary knowledge, no person who does not need to be recalled to the freedom of God. There isn't a moment in our life when we don't need a refreshing reminder of the most basic things. We need to be told to wake up. We need to wake from sleep. Back in the day, I think it was the song, Lord, You Are Good and Your Mercy Endures Forever by Israel Houghton, but he said somewhere in the middle of that song in, in the album, I think the album was New Season, he said, morning isn't something that has an AM next to it. Morning happens when you wake up, whenever or wherever that is. 
It's time to wake up. And when he says salvation is nearer than it's ever been, he's not talking about the return of Jesus. He's saying the next thing you need is closer now than it's ever been. Wake up and don't miss it. God's got something for you today that is going to save you from something that is happening and will happen. Wake up. Push through stuff. Push through the indifference. Push through the independence. Push through the laziness. He's got something for you. So David offers six petitions in this psalm. Teach me, give me, lead me, incline me, turn me, confirm me. These are things that we need to pray. Everything that David prayed is a revelation of how God wakes us up. I'm going to do this super fast. Get your pens ready. Get your Bible, your actual tangible Bibles ready. I love it. You get a million points. Teach me. You know what this means in the Hebrew? It means essentially shoot me. It means shoot arrows or throw rain. So this is a revelation. David saying, teach me, is also a revelation of how he does. In Psalm 38, he says, your arrows have sunk into me. And by the end of the psalm, he's saying, thank you for being there for me. See, when we shoot arrows at people, we destroy their humanity. But when God shoots his word at us and it hits us, it broadens our humanity. So you may be feeling like God is chasing you down, or you may be feeling like things are hitting you out of nowhere. It may be the enemy, or it may be God saying, you're running so fast all over the place that I have to take you down for a second. I just have to stop you for a second. I'm going to shoot a little tranquilizer at you, get you to fall down, and then I'm going to wash you with rain, and things are going to begin to grow. But, listen, if God is shooting at you, just go down now. Don't try to dodge him. Just play dead. Poof, got me. He does that sometimes. He throws life at us in a way that makes us stop. Give me. This means, honestly, very confusing, but when you break it all down, this means considering to consider. What does that mean? This is a moment where David's saying, give me, and what he's saying is consider me so that I can start considering my life more than I am. So what does Jesus say about the lilies of the field? He says, well, let's look at Job for a second. Job is in a rant. Job's got a lot of things going on, worse than bees and fender benders. Job has a lot going on. And Job says, in Job 23, he says, today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Listen to this. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No. He would pay attention to me. He would consider me. Consider the words of my groaning. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. He considers you, and his considering of you opens us to considering. This is what Jesus said. Uh, this, is, this is Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. He's about to divorce Mary. And from his limited perspective, he's probably got good reason to. Mary's pregnant, and he knows it's not from him. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The very thing you thought was an enemy is from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph could only have that dream, Salem, because he stopped. He got shot by those arrows. He stopped and he considered. We're making decision after decision, assumption after assumption, rapid firing through our life, and we're not even taking time to consider, let alone get counsel. Let alone talk to an elder in our life. We're just making hundreds of independent decisions a day, not considering. Sometimes rejecting what's from the Holy Spirit and sometimes accepting what seemed like it was from the Holy Spirit, but it was from our enemy. And then Jesus, Matthew 6, and why are you anxious about your clothing? So he's talking to people who are anxious and he's saying, here's how you deal with anxiety. Consider the lilies of the field. When you're in your anxiety, stop for a second. Look at nature. It seems so pointless. Okay, great. There's lilies. I still have no clothes. Oh, good. An oak tree. I'm still coming up $700 short on my rent. Oh, a sparrow. It's not paying my mortgage, though. It didn't give me that cost of living raise that accounted for inflation. But he's saying, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what he tells you to look at. Stopping to consider anything that he created will give space for your anxiety to go that's all you need it to do all you need to do is let your anxiety exhale and you will think clearly and you won't fly down your driveway and bash into your wife's car like I did lead me this is fun Lead me means to tread upon and press, to bend the bow and to conduct. I will say this, and you're going to hear a lot about this because it's almost tis the season, but in, and I know I've never brought up this book before, but in A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, at some point Scrooge says to one one of the ghosts, spirit, conduct me where you will. And what happened in that moment was he said, I'm done fighting this. I'm done fighting this. Take me where you want me to go. And all the places they took him, some of those places tread him down and pressed him like when he was at the bedside of Marley before he died or when he was at the bedside of his sister realizing how ignorant he was being towards his family. When he was in those moments, he was saying, please take me out of here. And then there were other moments that bent him like a bow and got him ready where he would say something like, I wish I could go have a word with my employee now. So there were some places that the spirits took him that pressed him down. But the more they pressed him, juice started to come out. Wine was being made in him. Then there are other places where he was being bent back and couldn't wait to wake up and start life anew again. These are the two ways that God deals. He will press you down. He will walk all over you, but not the way other people walk over you. He'll walk over you in a way where new wine will form in you. He will press down and explode those things that need to break in your life. Right, Steve? I'm hit. Inside joke. No big deal. Like, why didn't anybody laugh? Because it's an inside joke. That's why. 
Steve ate a blueberry and it exploded and got on his white shirt. <laughs> it was funny. But when, you, when he presses you, the goodness in you forms and it bursts forth. He bends you and you feel like you're being bent in life and you feel like you're being taken back. But it's because he's shooting you at a mark that he wants you to hit. But we at some point have to stop conducting our own life and say, conduct me where you will. You know, my kids are involved in a lot of stuff. Well, you know what? They're involved in too many things. But if I take them out of this, they might hate me forever. Yeah, but if you overwork them, they're going to get out of that house as fast as they possibly can. Sometimes we got to say no to good things, and sometimes we have to say yes to frustrating things to get on the path that God has for us. Turn me. This means to pass through or to pass over. There are times when we need to be turned. David said, I will not set my eyes on worthless things. There are times where we need to turn and God parts the Red Sea of all of our delusions and ignorances and idols and, and faulty ways of thinking. He'll part it and we can just see the path through. That's a good thing. I love when turning me is a pass-through moment. When he just parts, you ever have a moment where you just cannot figure anything out, and then in one split second, God shows you something, and you see the path forward? It's beautiful when that happens, that one time a year it happens. That one time that God did that once. Most of the time, it's pass over. He's passing over your life, and he is killing something that needs to die. We don't like that. But he only, listen to me, and I think you know me enough to almost finish my sentence. He only kills those things that are killing us. He only destroys those things that are destroying us. He only does violence to those things that are doing violence to us. But it's still painful when we lose them. Because we grow dependent on the tourniquets that we've wrapped around our wounds to stop bleeding for a little bit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Lean not on your own understanding. A youth pastor in this church, in this room, said to me many, many, many decades ago now, I feel like the Lord told me, Bill, that if he moved, you wouldn't fall because you're not leaning on him. You're leaning on your understanding of things. Back then I was like, ooh, so? He was so right. He was so right. He's more, the more I think about that word, the more I'm like, wow, man, that, that word had legs. It's traveled with me years and decades down the road. Thank you, Dan Underhill, for that one. Sometimes he's going to let you pass through. Those are the good times. Sometimes he's going to pass over and take what's destroying you. Well, it seems like he took my joy, or maybe he's causing you to be disenfranchised with the things that you were finding joy in. Maybe he wants you to become disenchanted with the things that you're finding joy in because they're not him. So it feels like he's stealing your joy. He's not stealing it. He's just relocating it to the right place. He's putting it in things that will last forever. 
there's that story where Jesus says, everybody, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who said, come to a party. And the first guy's like, I just bought a new field. I can't go. Can I please be excused? And the other guy's like, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Can I please be excused? Read the story. The third guy's like, I just got married and I'm not coming. He doesn't even ask to be excused. He's like, I just got married. I can't go. And Jesus says, you know what? Go invite people who want to be here. And what's the point of that story? The point of that story is when your heart is vested in the production of your own life, there's an end time to that production. That production, read Ecclesiastes, it has an expiration date to it. That field you bought, if your joy is in that field, when that field withers, so will your joy. You bought those yoke of oxen, but when that work dies, your work will die with it. You just got married and all your hopes and dreams are coming true in that marriage. When you both get older, when things don't work the way they used to, when stuff starts to fall apart, all of a sudden, so will you. Come to my feast, and my feast will give life to the field, to the work, to the marriage. But we are too busy for the feast. And you know what he says? Here's what he does. He says, fine, don't come then. I'll invite somebody else. Not because you're not invited anymore but because he wants you to feel the disenchantment. And then he says, confirm me, which simply means, wake me up. Wake me up. I want to feel. So many of us have fallen asleep in life because we're obsessed with not feeling pain. To wake up is to sit in life and feel what needs to be felt that day, as frustrating or glorious as it may be. And the more we don't want to feel the bad, the more numbing and in a coma we're putting ourselves. We're on, we're, we're all walking around filled with anesthesia. I'd rather be out than feel this pain. But you know what, though? That may be true, but if you're out, your pain can't bless my life. I need to know you're going through something. Mike Mandia walked into my office today. He said, how was your week? And I was like, <laughs> ask a better question. <laughs> and he's like, well, here's how my week started. And he told me, and his was worse. And we had a beautiful conversation. Some of it was just two men venting about crazy things that happened in their life this week. But it was also two brothers in Christ saying, we're still here today, though. We made it to church this week. I'm glad you're here. If we were asleep, we wouldn't have that conversation. If it was easier to stay home with a cup of coffee, we wouldn't be having that conversation. I needed Mike to walk into my office today. I needed him to tell me that his week was worse than my week, and we needed to encourage each other. It brought me back to something. I got to get up, and I got to get there so that I can share not just my blessings, but my pain with people, because it makes you feel like you're not alone. In a wonderful book called Refugee of Faith, Deborah Reinstra says this, the shape of the cross reminds us that wounds and renewal intersect. And at that intersection, we find the very person of God. Wounds and renewal meet each other in the cross of Jesus. And it's at that intersection of our pain and our renewal that we actually meet the very person of God. If we spend all of our time trying to avoid the wounds, or if we let those wounds tell us what to do. We need to not ignore our stress. Does everybody hear me there? Maybe you grew up in a tribe of Christianity that said, rebuke your stress. Don't. Don't rebuke it. 
don't rebuke it because you would be rebuking yourself. But don't indulge it. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. Offer your stress to the Lord. If you rebuke it, he can't heal it. If you indulge it, you won't be offering it to him. Bring it to him. Well, it's difficult. Call somebody. I don't have the energy for it, Pastor. I've been in this game too long. I've heard too many of these sermons. It's just not interesting to me anymore. Then let a, people, let a few people come to you, put you on a mat, and we'll tunnel you through the roof of Jesus' house. But you got to get there. you got to get there. You can't go weeks and weeks with letting the family of God be the thing that takes the hit for all of our busyness all the time. We can't do it. We can't survive Our blessings will destroy our life if we don't contextualize our blessings by being part of the family of God. The family of God is the soil that gives us the strength to even have blessings at all and know what to do with them. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The time of salvation is nearer now. I just want to share this thought with you. This was one of those moments that I haven't had in a while. <clears throat> but I was reading about time, and I was studying what, what church theologians say about time and God's time. And it was all fun, and it's deep, and it's exciting. It's not all for a Sunday morning. But it, one, one theologian, his name is Thomas Aquinas. He lived a very long time ago. One of the things he said was this. Whatever God does or whatever God did, he's always doing. And so when Jesus says to the woman at the well, I want you to hear this this morning. I really, I don't want this to be over your head. I want you to hear this. When Jesus meets the woman of Samaria and she finally breaks down and says, look, I can't find a place to worship. First of all, I pray that we all have that pain if we can't. I pray that if we haven't been to the house of God to worship with our family, that it would hurt. Just saying. That was not part of what I wanted to say. That just popped into my noggin just now. She said, I can't find anywhere to worship. And Jesus, she says, I can't. I certainly can't go to the mountain on Jerusalem because they won't let me in because I'm from the wrong race and I'm the wrong gender to be able to go there. Jesus says this. The hour is coming and is now when the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> Look what he said. The hour is and now. The hour is coming and now is. And Thomas Aquinas would say that both of those are always true forever. The hour is always now and the hour is always coming. Why is that exciting? Because if you miss it now, it's always coming. And if you miss it tomorrow... It's all, it will keep on coming for you until you find it, until it gets you, until you're immersed in the life of God. That's the kind of love that we are operating in. That's the kind of love that Jesus gives us in the Eucharist. The love that he gives us in this meal, this is the feast that he said we're all invited to. This is the meal. This is the feast from that parable. And so many of us are saying, yeah, you know, I got so much going on, though. You have no idea. 
So here's the thing. The time is now for you to be here, and the time is always coming for you to be here. I personally wish that God was not as patient as he was because it makes pastoring very difficult. I'm like, God, can I tell them that if they don't start coming back now, that it'll be over? And he's like, no. And I'm like, why? It's so much easier to scare people. Love takes a really, really long time. And God's like, you're telling me about how long love takes? Buddy boy. (laughs) Another inside joke. This is the feast that nothing in our life should ever keep us from. Pastor, it's a wafer. It's so embarrassingly insignificant, isn't it? But what does it say about Jesus? He had no form or appearance that we would desire him. He wasn't attractive that we would look at him. He was one stricken by him. He was so easy to miss. So easy to not be excited about. There he is. You're about to meet him. You're about to hold him in your hand. Like Mary did. You're about to bring him into your life. And his life, when you ingest it into your life, is going to disrupt anything in your life that is not locked down by the Holy Spirit. Let it go. Before we come to the table, it is important that we not only receive a blessing, but that we pray for the world around us. So at this time, Courtney is going to lead us in what historically has been called the prayers of the people. And there's even a special prayer in here for the people of Morocco. So let's, your response will be on the screen. Let's listen to these prayers and agree together. Let us pray for the church and for the world. O Lord our God, we ask that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Guide and grow your church, both locally here in Beacon and in the Hudson Valley, and globally. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people in our country and in all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Give discernment, caring attentiveness, and Christ-like humility to those serving in positions of authority. Lord, in your mercy, bring an end to wars, violent conflicts, and oppression, the effects of which are felt throughout the fabric of humanity. Let your goodness and mercy embrace and empower those who struggle under the burden of injustice, those who are seeking life-giving refuge and those who are caught up in loss, fear, and uncertainty. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We lift before you today the people of Morocco. Comfort those who are mourning, strengthen and encourage those awaiting aid and those working to provide it. Let your presence be felt among the people as one who knows deep pain and loss, and yet as one who has overcome. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for your earth as your own creation, that we may steward its resources rightly so that no one may suffer from our abuse of them, and that generations yet to come may continue to praise you for your bounty. Lord, in your mercy. Bless our workplaces, whether physical or remote, that our conduct, words, and labors may reflect your truth and beauty. Guide us in our work, 
that we may not do it for ourselves alone, but for the common good, taking Christ as our example, as one who came among us to serve. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all places of learning, homes, schools, colleges, and universities, that they may be lively centers for sound learning, new discovery, and the pursuit of wisdom. And grant that those who teach and those who learn may find you to be the source of all truth. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious, O lover of souls. And to you we give glory, to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Lord Jesus, it was on the night when you were betrayed and we all fell asleep that you remained awake. And in our suffering, you gave us one thought. This is my body offered to you. In the midst of suffering, you offered yourself. May we offer ourselves back to you in the midst of blessing. May we offer ourselves back to you in the midst of our suffering. May we reach out to your body, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and celebrate our blessings and get support in times of need. <clears throat> May we model our life after this Eucharist, this great Thanksgiving. May Thanksgiving replace cynicism in our life. May Thanksgiving replace indolence, indifference in our life. May Thanksgiving replace a toxic independence that makes us want to live our life inconsequential to others. Just fill us with your life as we partake of this bread. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would descend on this bread and make it for your people the body and blood of Jesus, the food and drink of new and unending life in him, and descend on us. Forgive us of our sins that we may offer ourselves to you and to the world in whatever it is that we're going through. And I pray that you would give us healthy rhythms as we move through our life. In your holy name we pray. And everybody said, now Salem, when we let the Holy Spirit lead, Steph, I know, I know, when we let the Holy Spirit lead, we have to adjust, but there are some very important announcements. So before you come to the table, I just want you to hear the basic, I will, I will refrain from preaching why we need to be, can everybody look at me and say, we know it's all important. So you don't have to emphasize it. Here's the announcements. If you're new here, we love you, welcome, we have a gift for you. Um, at the end of September, we have on the 24th, we have the Spirit of Beacon Day Parade. Let's go to the Main Street in Beacon, buy some food, and just love on the community. On the 30th, we have the Fall Family Festival. We just, I would love some people to join the chili cook-off. I would love everybody to be there, bring your kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the, t the last Sunday of September, September 30th, I believe, is the final day that you can sign up for baptism for the December 3rd baptism. So if you want your kids baptized, if you want to be baptized, sign up for it. We're going to have classes all through October. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have a huge baptism service on Sunday morning, December 3rd. But sign everybody up now because it's going to take time for us to roll out the teaching. Starting next week, we're going to be opening it up for people to sign up to host a life transformation group. If you want to get back into hospitality, let me tell you something. Don't wait until your house is right. Don't wait until the money's right. Don't wait until your mind is right. Do it now. 
get, just jump right back in. I'm not going to preach the announcements because you already told me I don't need to emphasize it. That's what you told me. I didn't tell you to say that. You said it on your own. But please <clears throat> sign up to host. It would be wonderful if we were a church who wanted each other to come over our houses. And this Saturday, if you feel like you need some discernment or you know people who do, that's everybody in the room. Sign up for the men and women's breakfast, $10 per person. Jacqueline and I have a word from the Lord regarding discernment. We want to share it with you. At this time, you can come and receive from the Lord's table. Everybody on this side of the room, Elder Bill Bernasconi will be here. And on this side of the room, Steve Saldana will be here. Please come and receive from the Lord this morning. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.